We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. This is Mean Lean from ArsenalVision.co.uk. Just after a few rambling words of my own, we're going to have, have the usual great discussion from James Paul and Elliot. Now that's what I'm talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Great performance from the team today. Superb. Where do we start, really? A nice, sharp, quick performance from our team today. Uh, I thought we passed the ball really well. We're really creative and inventive. And um, it looks like the, the rest that the players had, a few of the players had, made a big difference to the way we played. You could tell from the very beginning how the game was going to pan out because of, of the way we passed the ball. Before the game kicked off, it's quite hard to work out what sort of Arsenal team we'd expect because, as you know, we have a lot of injuries at the moment. In my match preview today, i done two graphics of the players we had available for the game today and injured players, and both teams looked quite even. So, bearing that in mind, it was, it was quite difficult to predict how we would play the game today. And Yeah, I thought we played really well. Santi in the middle, three strikers again on the pitch, with Giroud in the middle. I thought Giroud was, was outstanding today. It's amazing that it's the same Giroud who played at Stoke because he wasn't at his best at Stoke at all. In fact, he was quite poor at Stoke, but he was, he was fantastic tonight. Yeah, just, I mean, obviously his two goals were really important and they were both good goals as well, but the way he played and his link play, his touch was very good and very strong and he just, yeah... So, so that was really enjoyable. Santi as well, getting on the score sheet again. His his first goal, exceptional finish. Left, left I say left foot as if it's a problem for him, but that finish over the keeper into the corner of the net was was delightful, and very very impressive performance today. Really enjoyed that. And it looks like the team are starting to click finally. 
it's taken quite a while for us to get to this point. Um, at the start of the season, we had, we had a lot of problems with, you know, not having much of a pre-season and trying to get the players to play the way that Arsenal Wenger wants them to play. And that was becoming a bit of a problem. And, and it took quite a while for us to get to this point. I mean, it's, you know, it's still only two games against Galatasaray and, and now Newcastle. Although we have played well a few games before that as well. Just looked like we seemed fresher today and sharper. And I enjoyed what I saw today. Very, very impressed. Matthew Debushi in the middle, alongside Mertesacker, I thought was exceptional. I mean, he made a block in the second half. A really crucial block. And I thought, wow, he doesn't look out of place at centre-back at all. Yes, it's against Newcastle. Although it's a Newcastle side that beat Chelsea and they're on a good run themselves. So, they'll underplay him too much. But, you know, it's just one game in that position. So, we'll see how he does. But if I was Wenger, I'd like, I'd like him to stay in that position. Keep alongside Matataka. Have some experience in that position. Because um, I think he could do the job. At least at least he's showing good signs of doing the job anyway. At a very early stage. Uh, yeah, so all in all, and we have no injuries, which is, which is probably the best news of the night, sort of. So I'm pleased. So I'm going to hand you over to Paul, James and Elliot to talk about the game and um, enjoy. Classy Arsenal hold off resilient and determined Lee Mason in... 4-1 home victory. My name is Elliot Smith. You can find me at Yankee Gunner on Twitter. And this is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. We're coming to you directly after Arsenal beat Lee Mason 4-1. Uh, it was a resounding victory. Uh, Newcastle were involved as well. As always, I am joined by gentlemen who will provide much better insight, and I will rant and rave hysterically and probably interrupt them. Let's get to those men now before I get started. It is James. You can find him at GoonerFanatic49. Uh, that's Gunner Fanatic 49. I've probably gotten that wrong again. James, welcome back. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me as always. Thank you very much for thanking me for having you. And once again, Poznaning in his pants as ever, it is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Poznan in my pants. Uh, and as always, we remind you that the Poznan is happening in his pants, not my pants. Paul, welcome back. Woohoo! Yes, well said. That sums it up. That's all for today's podcast. Okay, so. <laughs> While the cheer is still fresh in mind, let's get down to it. Who was the worst player tonight? No, I'm kidding. Um, great, <laughs> great win, great performance, uh, overcame some bad refereeing decisions that I think really on another day, you know, the team could have folded. I thought great performances from guys that had to step in who maybe, you know, you could have forgiven if they didn't put in their best performance. Uh, let's, we'll get to the goals in a minute. Let's just start with your man of the match, James. Um, who you got today? Well, I'm watching the screen in front of me now, and Olivier, with that very sort of slick haircut of his, is, is looking rather dashing. And um, I think he, uh, he certainly uh, made up, well, not made up, but he was a major improvement upon his performance against Stoke. And he was, not, not only were his two goals fantastic and came at rather pivotal moments in the game, but his hold-up play was excellent. And I thought much of the play actually went through him through the centre. So it was, it was a delight to see him in the mood that he was tonight. He was... Um, superb, and I mean a little shout out for Santi as well, who's who's had a tough, well, so-called patch over the last um, throughout most of the season so far. So it was it was nice to see him not only get two goals, but um, two goals in in the fashion that he did that that sort of touch for his first, and then beautiful little uh, finish into the into the right corner was excellent. And then the you know of course at three one and late in the game, but the the panache and the uh, 
the confidence to, to, to do the Santi Panenka was, was excellent to see. I agree. It pains me to say it, but since Wilshire has gone out, I think a lot of the players in midfield have started to round into form, and you have to wonder if those two things are related. But, um, yeah, all in all, great performance from Giroud, and it's, it's days like today that make you wish he could play like this every day. I think some of it has to be down to the play of the front three in general. I thought they looked great. Paul, um, who's your man of the match? And maybe if you want to expand on just that front three of, of Giroud, Welbeck, and Sanchez and how they interchanged and and maybe if that's the future of the front three, uh, even when uh, players start to come back. So man of the match w- would have been Santi, but that's too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just a little note on Santi. I do actually love him in center, center midfield. I think he creates so much from deep and he's so deadly coming through the middle. And the way he can flick it onto either foot and spray the balls across the field uh, beyond his two great goals today. But my actual man in the match, because uh, Santi's too easy, is Debushi. I thought I'd pictured him before the game, just not fo- footballistically, but just in terms of the, the presence of the guy and the size and the physicality and his winning headers and the fact that he's only moving one place to the left, that he would actually do a pretty damn good job. Um, and I was really pleased with what he gave, gave us now. Maybe Newcastle didn't press him that hard, but mm-hmm. uh, he looked very much the part for his first game. So I was really heartened by him uh, looking past Santi as man of the match. The do front you, three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to ask, do you think the, the secret here is, or the key, what we've been missing is that we need more players with, with crap haircuts? I mean... <laughs> Is, is that is that the problem? Not enough crap th- haircuts in, in the squad? I thought we had crapped ha- haircuts all over the field today. Jesus. Well, it never helped Marilyn Shamak, so maybe I'm, all, I'm off there. But sorry, go ahead with your analysis of, of our brilliant trio up front. Indeed, you can overdo anything, including that thing that died on Marwan Shamak's head that he's Amen. then stapled on for the rest of his career. <laughs> I thought the front three were, were uh, really good. It, the thing is, I love Theo, but if I put that bias aside... This is my, if I'm a, an opposing team, this is the front three I really don't want to see because they're going to give you problems when you're going forward or going back. Um, you know, Giro isn't the fastest, but he's always worked really hard up front. I mean, we've seen a couple of goals he grafted out of hassling a goalkeeper or a defender. Um, and of course, Sanchez and, uh, and Welbeck, uh, phenomenal work rates. You know, it, it, if Welbeck is covering one of the wings for a period of the game, the opposition is not getting down that wing. Him and Gibbs or him and Bellerin, you know, nobody's getting past those boys. So I love Welbeck in terms of his overall effort. And uh, the one moment that I was irritated, our front three was on their goal when Sanchez was walking away from the ball like he hadn't a care in the world. And they put that now. I don't know that it was necessarily his responsibility to get ball side of their defender, but that was an absolute blip from him and indeed from our defense to take their eye off the ball, quite literally. But overall, yeah, I love that front three. I think the thing that surprises me is you know that Danny is quick, Uh, he definitely has pace, but it's amazing to me how many balls that he looks second best Mm. to get to he just glides by a defender and gets there first. I mean, that's what created the penalty that Cazorla converted. And and his hold-up play is a lot better than he gets credit for. He uses his body yep. well. He holds it up well. Uh, you know, we always praise Giroud for that. But I think you could argue that Welbeck may have an edge on Giroud in hold-up play. Um, yeah, I think, he, I think Welbeck does everything Giroud can do 
but not quite as well. And he does a few other things Giroud can't do. Can't. And the rotation between the three of them today, I thought was really good. And it was interesting. I mean, Welbeck dropped deep at times, came into sort of a support striker, a number 10 role. Great fluidity. Just love loved the play. I mean, we could go on and on about everyone. Um, let's get to the goals a little bit, James. And, and obviously you can touch on the front three. I mean, Welbeck should have scored a stunner. Giroud had a couple great ones. Cazorla had a finish that, where has that been? Um, great to see Alexis getting assists, you know, r- really playing team football. What what was your pick of the bunch? What goal did you like the most? Uh, was your favorite goal the disallowed goal? Because for me, that was arguably the best of the bunch. Yeah, absolutely. The, I thought that Welbeck goal was fantastic. And I still can't for the life of me understand why that was given as a foul. It was a, it was a nothing not even I mean, come on, we, we should be thankful it wasn't given as a penalty for Newcastle. I mean, <laughs> such yes. is the standard of refereeing right now. Absolutely. I mean, even, I mean, on the topic of the refereeing, that Teote, cha- Teote challenge should probably, I mean, in my eyes, should, at least should have been uh, somewhat sort of uh, considered as a red card. But um, needless to say, I mean, I guess on that topic is, the thing is, you know, we can, we can lament the referee as much as we want, but when you play as well as we did today, it becomes a non-issue, and that's—I mean—that's all you can really ask for from the side. But with regards to, the, I'm watching the Sandy goal now as we speak, actually, and that first touch—it's great. He just clips it over Colaccini's legs, keeps his balance, and then it's a delightful little, almost sort of little sort of dink to the back post. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, well, it's of, of the goals that were actually allowed. It was certainly between that and that Giroud flick, which um, wasn't too dissimilar to the goal he scored last season against Spurs at home. That kind of, you know, with his yep. left foot um, from the front post, curling it around. Um, and again, it was it was great to see him in that kind of form. So it's, that's almost a slight frustration with Giroud, really, isn't it? I mean, you look at the Stoke game and he, he had that, you know, chance on a plate at 1-0 down. Um, and then, phew, just saw his Giroud goal again. Yeah, I mean, both of those goals are, are fantastic. But when, when Giroud's playing like that, he, he's, he's a delight to watch. And the entire team was. Which uh, And, you know, going back to the front three, I guess, sort of a question that I asked myself was, it's, I, before, when I saw the lineup for the Stoke game, I was a little surprised to not see those three. Because clearly, I mean, you could see from today, they, they work so dynamically well together. But aside from that, defensively, um, obviously, we talk a lot about the industry of, of Sanchez and, and Welbeck and even to a certain degree Giroud, but also the aerial prowess of Olivier and, and Danny in particular, uh, defensively of, are, are extremely key, especially because that, that Colbeck character was, um, he, he had a fairly deadly set piece on him. But when you have the likes of, of Welbeck and Giroud with that physical presence, it, it certainly helps out a side that it has been known for, for suffering from sort of defending and, and certainly attacking set pieces. So especially against the you know the the likes of Crouch etc at Stoke, I was I'm I'm still a little baffled as to why that front three wasn't selected. But I guess we shouldn't sort of linger too too long on that. It was um, it was great to see the turnaround today and a fantastic home victory. Absolutely, Paul. Favorite goal? Um, it's really tough. Those were four really good goals. Um, would have to be one of the uh, I liked um, the. Uh, the Santi goal, uh, which involves Gibbs and Sanchez. That, that I th- I really love that ball from Sanchez uh, into Cazorla as, as he's cutting to the left. Uh, yes. In that, th- there was nowhere really to pass apart from that one place. Uh, 
and he, you know, perfect pace, perfect weight. It wasn't obvious, but it was killer because it gave Santi, it, it, it allowed Santi to stay in stride, keep momentum, keep control. I thought that was beautiful. So uh, that particular Santi goal. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I, I love that one. I mean, maybe my favorite was the, the disallowed Danny Welbeck goal. And it's a shame because he really deserved it for the quality. But I want to single out a player for praise, but I want to find a way to do it while keeping some uh, sense of cynical, pessimistic negativity in the question. So I'm going to do my best. <laughs> um, we'll stay with you for a minute, Paul. I thought Hector Bellerin was sensational today. Um, yeah. I thought he was sensational in attack, and I thought he did enough. Remember, there's still a very young player thrown into the highest level of football, and I thought he did well. Um, a, a player who probably wasn't going to be in the plans this season. Um, so let, let me ask you this. Here, so here, here's the positivity. We're going to praise Bellerin, and, and the negative angle is going to be about Chambers. I thought Murtisacker looked really reassured today. I thought he looked back to his best self. He didn't have... Uh, the the lack of confidence that we've seen from him when he's played without Koscielny. I thought Debushi was a big part of that. But is there an argument? First of all, I, I want to hear your thoughts on on Bellerin. But is there an argument that Chambers, as much as we love him and see talent in him, has been a bit of a liability, getting yellow cards early in matches, maybe diving in a little too much, positionally a problem? I mean, is there an argument? You know, you... Maybe Jack Wilshire has been a little bit of addition by subtraction. Was was this addition by subtraction with Chambers out today? Um, or, or do you think it was just that we played well and Bellerin was excellent? What, what's your feelings on that? Well, I think you've got to subtract the fact that, uh, you know, you, it was kind of a little bit like the Galatasaray game where you felt they were half a yard off us for whatever reasons because we were so good and they were mm -hmm. just a little off that made us look good all over the park. Um, now you put Debushi and Bellerin, well, you had Bellerin in against Stoke and maybe Bellerin's still under, going to be under a heck of a lot more pressure. Could you um, argue, though, that Chambers Chambers had a, had a, I mean, not that we're trying to go back to Stoke, but had a worse game than Bellerin at, at Stoke and, and was sort of fortunate not to be the one, well, I guess you couldn't take him off, but sorry, go go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I Emotionally, I agree with your point. There's there's this feeling, there's this feeling that Chambers needs to continue to prove himself, and that he started really strong, and he's dipped recently. Um, and certainly, to me, Debushi, you know, that there is an advantage to being whatever Debushi is, 28, 29, and Chambers is only 19, uh, getting moved all around the place. So I, I think your point's right. I think it's a harsh point, but probably a correct point. And, you know, I love he Hector Bellerin going forward, going back everywhere. He's got loads to learn. But even when he screws up defensively, he's so fast, he'll run around the guy twice and get the ball off him. That's the, the key. Only... You, got, you got to love a pacey fullback, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's delicious. And he's so, he uses pace so well going forward. The only issue with Bellerin is he's a horrible player to have in the box when there's a cross coming into his side. I mean, he's he's a foot and a half too short, so... Well, and his positioning for their goal was terrible. I mean, the way we set yeah. up to defend that that free kick. But, I mean, look, he's got loads to learn. But, I mean, when I look at Bellerin, I see a more natural fullback than I see with Chambers. But because Chambers has basically never played center back in his career, he's a very raw, 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 very raw center back. Um, so I think for me, the question becomes, you know, do you want Bellerin at fullback because he's more natural for that position? And do you not want Chambers at center back because he just doesn't seem ready yet? But... 
a great day for Bellerin. I think for a young player who got hauled off at halftime after you know at the Stoke game, to see him mm-hmm. come back and play like he did today was really reassuring. Um, the, and he deserves can, I ju- can I just add yep. the, the short sentence that uh, I see Bellerin in very much in the Danny Alves mode as a a right back in terms of what he brings to a team. I mean, there, there'll still be, you know, Alves, who I hate, is still a special, you know, a very special player. But that's why you have a Bellerin on the field. He's got, you know, he's going to create that much trouble going forward and he's going to improvise brilliantly going backwards. But you're going to hope he's not defending crosses all game. And like Danny Alves, he'll finish his career as a Barcelona legend. So that's good. Um, <laughs> hey, let's let's turn it over to you, James. Um, the back four, I thought, creditable work today. I mean, but but the midfield, I think, has been where we live and die this season. We've seen some abysmal midfield performances like we did at Stoke. And we've seen some good ones. Not, not enough, but I thought today was a particularly brilliant midfield performance. And we talk about addition by subtraction. Obviously, losing Aaron Ramsey is, is crushing. You and I have talked a lot on the pod and off the pod about Aaron Ramsey. And I felt we needed more from him. Hard to get more than we got in midweek. But uh, you've seen incremental improvement. Watching Oxley Chamberlain and Santi Cazorla uh, play midfield today with Flamini. Did you get the sense that maybe it, it, it isn't the worst? Again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying the Ramsey injury is a good thing because it's not, but they tend to, to both have that little extra tricky dribble to them to create space to get by men that maybe Ramsey doesn't necessarily do. I think they don't force the issue as much necessarily. What, what did you think of the midfield today? And is this a midfield that potentially, at least until an Ozil is back and obviously Arteta would replace Flamini, is this a midfield you'd be interested in seeing more often this season? Um, I'm going to touch on the defense uh, quickly. Or, or do that. Or disregard uh, my question entirely and just talk about the No, defense. well, I'm going to touch on the defense <laughs> because I think the two play into each other extremely... Um, extremely sort of uh, strongly. I think um, the defence today, first of all, just quickly on Debushi, um, I was a little concerned to see him play at centre-back purely because I don't think he's ever played there before. Um, but we touched on it in the pod, or if we didn't, we certainly should have done, um, after Galatasaray's. Um, it's so great to have him back because his aerial presence is phenomenal, especially for someone who is a fullback. Um, so in theory, he's a player that... Um, that can fit into that centre-back role f- fairly well. And it turned out he actually was able to um, fill it pretty excellently today. Um, on the topic of Bellerin, I think he's a fullback that suits the way in which Wenger wants us to play pretty excellently. He's so quick, he can get in behind the lines on wide on the flanks. He's, he, he, when he's confident, certainly he's, he's great with the ball at his feet. He can take on a man that was... Um, a point in the first half, I think towards the end, where he beat a couple of players and nearly sort of rounded their right back and nearly put himself through on goal, but instead won a corner. Um, but yes, I think there's, especially at his young age, there's a cut. The difference between him and Chambers is that Chambers is a little bit more solid all round defensively. I think posi- positionally, he's a little more experienced um, in the sense that he's played a lot more uh, games at the highest level. And obviously, Chambers has that sort of physical presence where he. He's not as prone to uh, the deep balls that come in um, and is able to, to challenge against most wingers. But still, he's, especially in a game like this at home, he's, he's a fantastic fullback to have. Now, on that, sort of on that topic leading into the midfield, I think 
yes, it was exciting to see Alex in the middle. I know that Wenger's talked a lot about him ultimately playing a more central role. And especially going forward, he was he was excellent. But there were time, there were actually times in the first half where he gave the ball away a little cheaply. There was that time where we had the uh, the break on. I think it was Giroud that was was pretty yeah, much clean through. Sit down. The ball wouldn't sit down for him, and he tried to get it over the defender to Giroud. Right, he, and he, he, he and he did miss kick it. Listen, it, it was one moment of the match. Don't take me wrong. But here's here's the thing. I I fear that had he been in the say in the central uh, midfield against Stoke instead of Ramsey we'd be probably complaining about his performance because if you don't have that solidity at the back, it's very difficult for the midfield to flourish. And I think that's where the biggest issue was. I know we talk, you talked about Ramsey's performance and I, most of the midfield against Stoke being poor, but I really think the issue was at the back and it, it, that, that's what created much of the disconnect between the two. Um, so I, I, I st- you know, and I am obviously a, an ardent believer in Ramsey's performance abilities and, um, you know, even even his more recent games prior to Galatasaray as, as a player that was was slowly on the up. Um, I think he was, he he would have been a player that that too would have flourished flourished today. They're both uh-huh. they're they're both excellent players, and I think it is partly a testament. I, we're we're on a we're on a tightrope now. I don't think we can afford one more injury in in the, in the midfield. Otherwise, we're looking towards um, bringing in Coquelin. But um, given the given the wealth of injuries in in that position or within the midfield, it's it's still I don't know if impressive is necessarily the word because at the same time we we're a team that that, that somehow manages to incur such a large a number of injuries so consistently, but to still be able to put out the likes of of the Ox and Santi with Flamme behind them, um, given given the the insurmountable injuries was uh, was good to see, and I think it's. You know, it, 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 it's great to be having a debate. Is you know, it, is Alex preferable in the middle to, to Aaron? It's a, it's obviously a good headache for the manager yeah. to have when when they're both fit. Yeah, that's a great point. It, it's a good problem to have when you have when you have choices that you trust. And I think Ramsey gives you more goals and maybe more defensive solidity and that work rate. I think Chamber, Chamberlain gives you more pace, more dribbling. Uh, maybe slightly better interplay in midfield. And the one thing I will say we miss when we play a Flamini, Ramsey, Cazorla midfield is it's a very slow midfield, not a lot of pace. I like the dynamic of having two players in midfield who can beat their man off the dribble, uh, like Oxley Chamberlain and and Cazorla can. But it's a good, like you said, good good problem to have. Good question. I mean, I think it's also interesting because when Theo is back, like Paul, I'm a huge Theo Walcott fan. Um, I think it'd be interesting to drop Sanchez back into the number ten. In, in place of either a Cazorla or, or, or an Oxley chamberlain and play Theo Welbeck and Giroud and really ha- go for it. Um, but, you know, those, again, good problems to have, and hopefully we'll start to see more players coming back before the raft, the, the raft of seven or eight new injuries pop up. So, I mean, all in all, a fantastic performance. Paul, before we move off this um, today, just real quick, I mean, your thoughts on how the midfield looked with Cazorla and Oxley chamberlain and just... Really briefly, is this a midfield that you would continue with or or like to see more often? Or, or do you go right back to Ramsey when he's back or, or whoever the other option might be? I do really love Santi in midfield. I, I think his decision-making is getting better. Um, I, I think he's tenacious and a terrier. And the more time he's played in that position, the better he'll get defensively. I haven't seen a lot from Oxley chamberlain defensively 
that makes me feel against the bigger teams. He can handle it. So uh, I love the three today. I think Flamini's done very well to settle into a, to simplify his role and to do a good job. I, of course, I overall I'm I'm always going to go for Arteta. Um, so I think we're going to see lots of combinations. Look, according to uh, Wenger, Ramsey's out for a few weeks, so we're going to see this midfield or something like it against Liverpool. Yep. Um, so we'll get to see a bit more. I do like it. Uh, I think I, I haven't seen Chamberlain making a lot of tackles uh, in his career in that midfield position, but I mean, he just looks brilliant with the ball at his feet or making passes. I mean, I, I do see why people think he'll be better in midfield, even though I think he's delicious on the wing too. So yeah, I want to see a lot more of this. It's not quite ready for, for showtime against the biggest teams, this three, but um, you know, maybe they'll get that cohesion defensively that Newcastle and Galatasaray didn't really put them to the, to the sword over. So looking forward to seeing it evolve. Yeah, well, and it looks like we're going to have to see Debushi continue to step up at centre-back yep. um, as Koscielny's been ruled out for a few weeks. I, I mean, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see if he picks Debushi there or Chambers. My hope is that he'll stick with Debushi, but I don't want to get onto that because we'll just go back to my usual whining and moaning about Koscielny's injury and we should have more centre-backs and... We've covered that at length. But sorry, just, to, just to clarify, yeah, would, would you prefer Bellerin with Debussy or would you prefer Chambers a right back with Debussy in the center? Or would you, or... I, I think it depends, right? In games where we are at home and we expect the team to defend deep and we're probably going to need to prize open a, a, a compact defense, you know, I'd, I'd probably go for Bellerin with Debussy central, but in games where we expect to be under the cosh a little more or face more of a physical challenge, I'd probably... Put, I mean, Chambers has recently stepped it up when he's come back into right right back. I would definitely go for Debushi at center back. I just think experience trumps talent. And arguably, Debushi has all the talent that Chambers has, but experience trumps all at that position. I, w- I want to touch on something quickly, because this isn't a, what this podcast is really about. It's a post-match podcast, but I think this happened as part of the match, so I want to address it. But I, if possible, guys, I don't want to get into a huge existential debate. Um, so... Towards the end of the match, we heard one Arsene Wenger uh, sung from from the supporters, two two choruses of it. Um, I wouldn't say that I was surprised, but maybe a little bit surprised, especially after what had happened. Paul, do you think some of that obviously is just the good feeling of a great performance, but also in response to how people felt watching the video from the train platform at Stoke. Is it more a rebuttal to the extremely vocal uh, uh, supporters who have been agitating for Wenger to go? Because I guess what I'm asking is, do you think there's still fervent support for the manager like that would have suggested? Or do you think to some extent this is a backlash towards the way the people who would like to see the manager go have been expressing themselves? Yeah, I think it's all of that. that that's the problem. I, 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 you're looking at a maybe a majority of people at the stadium singing a, a song together, and they've all got a different mix of the different things you're talking about. But mm-hmm. the one thing that would unite them is they don't like what they've seen in the last couple of weeks. They don't si- like this nastiness between both sides. They don't like uh, these 
the, you know, whatever about the banner, the banner then becomes a thing and the guy who holds the banner becomes a whole thing. And now you're kind of this media thing. And then the media jump, you know, nothing ever stays. That's the problem with these things. Nothing ever stays with, if you want to call it its initial pure intent, not that I necessarily think it was that pure, but anyway, even Fair assuming enough. that the person who held up the banner had a poor, mo pure motive, it never stays that way. And that's the problem with this stuff. And I think Arsenal supporters are sick of this. Not necessarily all of them are angry with the banner or the person. They're angry with this shit that comes when we all start going at each other and the media hop on it and just the negativity. You know, in the old days, you were negative with three or four people in the pub after a game. Now you get to be negative with several million people all at the same time feeding off each other. And it's just the, you know, it becomes a downward spiral for everybody. Well, I'll add and to that. I, I think to, to that point, the, I, nothing will make people stand up and scream louder than someone speaking on their behalf. You know, someone putting words in their mouth or speaking for them without their consent. And I think yeah. the, the problem with the dissent towards the manager and the train platform and the banner is it may be a very real opinion of, of a reasonable swath of fans or, or a reasonable group of people, but it has been picked up by the media as the feeling of Arsenal supporters generally. And whether some Arsenal supporters are more on the fence or slightly more in favor of the manager or fervently in favor of the manager or maybe even slightly ready for change but wouldn't like to see it expressed that way, I think this is sort of a rebuttal, not just to the, the fans who want him to go, but maybe to the media to say, hey, you know what, we're not all screaming, frothing at the mouth, you know, angry mobs on train platforms and, and wanting to take back control of the narrative and if you had narrative as your secret word for the podcast you can now take a drink um so yeah i mean over to you james really quickly because like i said i don't want to spend too much time on this but do you think this is representative of the level of support of the manager and that it's much much greater than maybe we had even anticipated or do you think it is a mix of support of the manager but also a repudiation of the way the manager's been criticized by by a certain group of fans yeah, I think you put it extremely succinctly um, and articulated the point very well. I, Yeah, it, it's definitely a bit of both. I mean, like we talk every time about the short-termism of football, so um, when the going gets tough, um, people find something to complain about. And when things, especially after a game like today, which wasn't only um, a, a great victory, but it was also probably... Arguably our best performance of the season, at least in the Premier League. Um, it's easy to get behind the team and get behind the manager. And I do think, given everything that's gone on over the last week or so, um, there's a, been a bit of a backlash from the fans um, in that as as much debate as there is with regards to whether Wenger should stay or whether Wenger should leave, I don't think any group of fans or or the fan base as an entity wants to be sort of classified as being in one particular um, side of the fence, and certainly not necessarily um, a being on the sort of Wenger out brigade, or but more importantly, be sort of branded alongside the way in which um, that message has been portrayed by some of the Arsenal fans, or a couple of Arsenal fans in particular. Um, I think it, 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 in some ways it's almost a bit of a shame that it came out so publicly, the the video recording at the at the train station because I, you know, I at the time it it really it riled me up. I mean, you guys both know how big a supporter I am of Arsenal and and even and, and certainly of of the of the squad at, at the moment. And 
the confidence I have in it, but um, more so just kind of the, the, the disrespect shown towards him. But at the same time, with a little bit of, um, with a little bit of time away from it, I'm, I imagine that in the, um, in the longevity of, of, of Wenger's career, I'm sure there's actually been several occasions of, of this kind of thing taking place, but it just hasn't really reached um, the kind of public um, audience that it managed to on this occasion. And so obviously with the kind of level of, of outcry that there is at the moment, it's, it, it's kind of been exaggerated. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, ultimately I think it was a slight backlash. And when it really comes down to it, I don't think... Uh, uh, Tim Stillman put it extremely well on, on his recent Thursday blog with, um, on the Arsblog site, is that we, as fans, we almost have a... Uh, we, we can speak louder than ever, but our, our words have never sort of meant less. And um, In some ways, I suppose, uh, especially given the kind of way, way when which sort of things go, swing, go in swings and roundabouts, it's probably, to a certain degree, in, in the grand scheme of things, the way it should be. Let the, yeah. club, let the club let the club act in the way that that they feel they should, and and hopefully it will align with uh, the supporters' needs and wants and desires. Yeah, I I think I think that's good. Let, let's let's leave it there. Like I said, I mean we could we could talk manager and people's opinions on the manager all day, and I do that the minute the podcast ends. That's literally all I do the entire day. Um, but I, I want to start to wrap up, and I know Paul has some important stuff going on IRL. Uh, uh, parents, ask your kids. So um, let's wrap up with a look ahead to Anfield. A little difficult to know what to expect um, to to be greeted by at Anfield because uh, obviously United-Liverpool play tomorrow. I kind of half hope that Liverpool just get pounded, although a draw is probably the best result. But Liverpool coming off being knocked out of the Champions League, really a, a poor showing from them in Europe. Rodgers, Seems to be on the brink. I, I don't think they'll have Sturridge. They're, they're really, I think they're on the brink of collapse, and it would be great if, if we could be the ones to sort of push them over the edge with, with a loss at home. You talk about, you could have been talking about two really out-of-form struggling teams in the league, but I think Stoke, Stoke result aside, there's been a lot to, to be positive about. Uh, James, we'll stay with you just for a minute. Really quickly, uh, team selection, you expect to see pretty much the same at Anfield, and we've got, a lot of revenge to get for last year. You think you think we'll get it? Yeah, I imagine the only real change that could take place is Chambers perhaps coming in. Um, that's especially away from home. Mm-hmm. Maybe either one of Debussy or Chambers are right back and the other is centre back. Well, it's um, a question of who you want Sterling running at, right? Well, yes, that's very true. I I mean, obviously, look, this, this is where the manager makes his bucks, but... Um, I mean the way Montero, I mean, the way Montero ripped Chambers apart, you could argue that Bellerin might be well, better for Sterling. But listen, my my prediction would be that uh, Debussy will play right back and Chambers will play centre back alongside Mertesacker. Um, and the thing is, as good a game as Bellerin had today, at home especially, I think it's a game that suits him. When you go away to Anfield or a little bit more under the cosh, I fear that I. I mean, I haven't seen enough of him, but I. I wonder how strong he truly is defensively. As, as quick as he may be and as, as good a recovery as he may have, I think we've seen in a couple of moments in, at Stoke, and, and Chambers was certain, certainly had a poor game as well, and, and even for the goal we conceded uh, today, that he, he's, not, you know, he's, he's not the all-round defensive, certainly at this stage, uh, right back that you necessarily want to be having in the side. I, I still think he may be a slight liability at right back, but then there's arguments to be made 
um, in the in the same case for Chambers. But either way, look, I think it's a great time to be playing Liverpool. I doubt I, I can't see them getting a result against United. Um, they must be a very they must be a relatively demoralised squad, having a had a su- pretty dreadful start to the Premier League season. They've been knocked out of the Champions League without Sturridge and with Suarez having left, and very few of their summer signings seem to, if any, seem to be um, hitting it off. And I think it'll be a perfect opportunity for us to to go to an away game against, uh, again, much in the same way of, of the Dortmund at home, get a sort of a team that has a, a bigger brand than the actual sort of quality of football that they're producing at the moment, um, yeah. which I think, yeah, especially after the two 4-1 victories, I think we'll... I think we'll get the three points, and it, I think it could be a rather rally victory. But um, me saying that probably uh, isn't a good thing in, in itself. There's that game fucked. Okay. <laughs> um, no, look, we put the performance together against United, but not the result. Hopefully we can, you know, put both together at, at Anfield. And they say that bad refereeing decisions even out over the course of a season, which is obviously bollocks. But, um, you know, if they're going to even out, today's bad decisions didn't hurt us. Maybe we can get... Get the calls to go our way next week. Paul, um, we'll finish up with you. It's uh, it's Anfield, eight days. You know, hopefully they're they're down and demoralized. And, you know, I, I don't think, like I said, that they'll have Sturridge. I'm not sure if they'll try Balotelli against us for his physical presence. Just really quickly, you expect to see sort of the same minus maybe Chambers for Bellerin. And what, what, are, you, what are you expecting ahead of that match? Yeah, I agree with James. I think Debushi at right back and we'll put chambers almost because of seniority and I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I think Debussy and chambers will get the start and chambers will play center back. Uh, interesting you think, comment. You think from, chambers will play center back and Debussy will not play center back. You, is, is that what yeah. you'd opt for or is that what you just expect? What would I opt for? Um, if I were the manager, that would probably be what I would do. As a fan, because okay. I like a little excitement, I'm, I'd be tempted to get Bellerin in there. Just he's a lot of fun. But I so think, you think the manager will will move Debushi out of center back, despite yeah. the more reassured performance we saw today. Yeah. Okay. He'll back. You know he backs his players, and he's going to back Chambers right now. And Debushi will do a very good job at right back and help us on the wing against Sterling. So Sterling will have to beat us through the middle, which I guess he's well capable of. We'll have a little wager because I'd be shocked if he moves moves Chambers back into center back, especially Pear looked a lot more reassured today with Debushi next to him. But we'll find that out. Overall, you feel pretty optimistic about that, or is this another case of until we prove it in a big game, you're going to hold your uh, hold your enthusiasm? The latter. Um, yeah. I'm I'm not pessimistic, but you know uh, we're really good against weak teams and middling teams, and uh, I'm. You know, I don't like to be negative about it, and I don't really feel negative about it. I think we're going to get strong against the bigger teams, but until it happens, I'm not going to waste too much breath on it. I'm just going to, I'm open to the possibility we play a stormer at Liverpool, and, and I'm good with that. I, I did want to add in the Pardew comment, which was, it kind of reflected what we said today. He says, they deserved it today because Orla and the front three are difficult to handle. That's kind of back to our point of yep. the front three. This is a front three you don't want to play against. He says, I thought Chamberlain was outstanding. So he actually says the front five gave him headaches all over the place. And I think our energy and work rate of those front five is really, really intimidating. So 
and, we, and that we have takes what, a lot of pressure off the back four. Sorry, we have what Liverpool don't right now, which is a dynamic group of attackers who can create tr- problems and score goals, and it's a little bit of a reverse of last season. Um, yeah. You know, you forget before last season, our record at Anfield recently and against Liverpool recently has been excellent. Um, and we did comfortably beat Liverpool at home last season. So I'm hoping things will sort of revert to normal. It's, it's a rare Sunday for us. We get to glow all day Saturday, then sit back and enjoy watching Spurs, Liverpool, and United possibly all drop points. Um, I think we better leave it there. First and foremost, we want to thank uh, the two intelligent men who joined us. So first of all, uh, uh, if you want to follow James uh, on Twitter, you can follow him at GoonerFanatic49. Um, Gunnar Fanatic 49 or really just any Twitter handle type anything in and follow that person uh, James great to talk to you as always a delight as ever guys have a wonderful evening thank you you too and if you want to read some great blogs and, and uh, some shit tweets you can follow Paul um, at Poznan in my pants I'm kidding of course they're great tweets as well Paul thanks for coming on <laughs> one arson Wenger enough of you we're going to leave it there hey it's eight days for uh, hamstrings to go pop and quads to tear should be a lot of fun we look forward to talking to you after the glorious win at Anfield until then cheers everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body including those involved in hormonal balance from functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.